In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. Is, is the problem more so with the trust than it is the process? Is the process okay? Is this is this a non-issue that we have to find a way to more so make transparent and make better? I think they're intrinsically, they're linked. The trust is the bigger problem, but I think the process has something to do with that because of how fractured and broken and all over the place it is and open to these wild claims of fraud or meddling or ballot stuffing or miscounting human error, hackable systems that aren't connected to the internet and blah, 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 blah. I think with something that is is standardized but decentralized, like where systems are generally going now or where I see technology going in the near future or just technology that already exists, I think it would slowly but surely help re-implement whatever trust has been lost because that is the big issue. It's it's how things are being portrayed. But I, I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm one of those people who's guilty of thinking that where we're at now, I've lost trust in, in the systems. I know too much about Bernie Sanders getting fucked over by the DNC to not think that it's all rigged against everyone. Right. So I guess that's my the question I'm trying to ask is what trust have you lost? Have you did you have you lost trust in the process of physically going to the polling station and voting in the way that we have voted for how many centuries? Or are you losing trust in the system because of the people behind the curtain? If, if the people behind the curtain and the people who are who are counting the votes or are in charge of the process, in charge of the primaries, are the ones that are nefarious, is that the problem we should be addressing and and fixing? that trust, fixing the, the the transparency that exists with them, rather than focusing on the process. Because if the process changes to technology, to, to voting online, the people who are the problem, the corruption that exists is still going to exist. So we haven't solved the problem. Okay. I guess to, to clarify, things are going in technology direction. I think in 50 years, we're all going to be voting in some kind of electronic system. I think paper's going the way of the dinosaur. Unfortunately, it is. So that's, that's kind of a moot point, I guess. You're right. And if we still have what we have now in terms of like our two-party system, DNC picking its favorite candidate versus RNC picking an insane person, like I, you know, I just, it's, you're right. It needs to be, there needs to be more transparency put to that. We need to have candidates have access to different kinds of platforms and not get banned off other platforms for saying things and debates that last longer than an hour with candidates getting two minutes of, of speaking time over the course of that hour. It's 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 a circus act. It's silly. And the thing is, I think I think a majority of people would generally agree with those sentiments. So changing that shouldn't be controversial, but it is. Oh, because people don't like change. I, and I guess the first thing I would do to fix that I think the Democrat and Republican parties are beyond saving. I think it's there's more opportunity than ever for new and upcoming or just new and different political thought and parties to have some power. I think I think the two party system's going the way of the dinosaur too for good. To, to accelerate that, I'm not exactly sure what needs to be done. Let me give you my quick pulled out of my ass solution that I think might help. And I want your I want your feedback because I think this is it's hilarious because the the conversation we're having right now is not having is not being had in Washington is not being had at the levels that matter. I think you'd agree with that. I think the closest we came to actually having a conversation about election reform was Bernie Sanders. For as flawed as a lot of his policies might be that I don't agree with, I think his character speaks volumes to the fact that he wants a fair election and it doesn't matter if he loses because de democracy is sacred. Voting is our most sacred institution in this country. So here's my here's my quick thought. Voter ID. Half of the country thinks that 
part of the security issue with voting is people don't have a vote uh, has a, have a, a valid ID, and the other half thinks that voter ID laws are inherently racist and discriminated against people who either are unable to get an ID or can't make the time to or don't know how to or whatever. So here's my my olive branch to both sides. Let's pass a voter ID law to appease those who think there's a security issue with the election so that when you go to the polling station, you have a, a government-issued ID that says, this is who I am. It's almost the same as what we're talking about with if we do go to the that the phone voting, you have a biometric scan. You can't vote without that. So what's the difference? So here's a voter ID. The caveat being that voter ID cannot be passed or put into practice until every local, state, federal, whatever government provides access and gives a photo ID to each person, gives them either paid time off or requires them to be able to, you know, just figure it out. Spend two to four years, whatever time is needed to make sure every voting American can get an ID free of charge with ease of access, making sure that if they have childcare, if they have five jobs to put food on their table because they're poor, you make sure you make it so that they can do it. Go out on a limb and make it clear that you are not going to discriminate against anyone and then you want everyone who's able to vote to get an ID. Be over transparent with that. Do everything you can with messaging to make sure that that is clear. Go door to door if you have to, to give people IDs. I don't care. Start there. Start there with you're actually helping and providing a service and you're going to make elections safer by giving every 18 year old or older American the right to, you know, an ID, period. Once that's in place, then I want at least a a day off, a federal holiday for the elections. I want everyone to have a paid day off And if that paid day has to come from government subsidy or whatever, I'm not a fan of subsidies. If we can get off of uh, corn subsidies and oil subsidies and, and, and every other subsidy, I'm okay with this one subsidy for our democratic process. Everyone gets a paid day off or everyone gets a stimulus check of $500 to go vote. I don't give a shit. Just give, just make it possible so people can take the day, take, make sure they have childcare, not worry about the food on their table for that one day and go vote and be a part of the process. And if not that, then how about we have a week-long or a three-day or a four-day-long voting process? Don't try to do this shit in one day. We have 350 million people in a country voting for, let's say, two people for a presidential election. And we're all nail-biting and trying to get this all done after polls close at 7 p.m. on the West Coast. And people are up until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. counting and you think mistakes aren't going to be made because people are rushing to get the numbers and the media stations are sensationalizing like, oh, it's too close to call. And we have 30 percent of the voting in here in this county, in this county, in this county. No, no enough of that. Shut up. Let's, let's calm down. Let's let the process. We have time. The president doesn't go into office until January and the voting happens in November. You have time to sit down and count and double check and be transparent with those double checks and explain to everyone bipartisanly. That's another That's another caveat is it needs to be done on a bipartisan measure. It, does, it shouldn't be someone who's just, I'm a Republican, I'm in charge of counting the votes in this county. No, it needs to be done in a transparent manner. So over transparency is my my larger solution, but I don't know. That, that was a lot of word vomit, but I, I'm trying to think of ways that gives the American people a, a, a better handle on the fact that their government, their officials are actually working for them and not trying to rig the system just to get more power. I agree with the national holiday thing. I think it's a great idea. I'm going to play asshole Republican to your, give everyone a voting ID for a second. What stops people on the left from going to unregistered citizens 
and giving them a photo ID. Well, I mean, you're going to have you're, I mean, this is this is this is the libertarian of me talking. I don't I don't think we need state state issued IDs in the first place other than driver's license to say that you can drive, but I mean, I I don't think you need a license to say you have a cat or a dog. I think that's dumb, but it's a good question. I I, I mean, forgery is a thing and there obviously the same goes for money how do you stop someone from printing more money well you make the, the money very hard to forge so you're going to be able to see it's not just going to be a cardboard cutout id it's going to be a government issued you can't fake a license i mean you can but it's it, it's easy to get past a bar at midnight to go get a drink underage that because they don't have the wherewithal or the technology to, to, to for sure check that id but a government polling station to make sure you're voting, I would say that they probably have measures and safeguards to make sure they know what they're looking for in an ID. I don't know, but that's a devil's advocate's good though. I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, and that and then I guess that's that goes into my argument for like like the biometric kind of data because it's like proven that that stuff's really hard to fake. It can be, but it's it's really 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 hard. And guess what? You don't need to issue everyone a fingerprint. Most people, not trying to be like exclude people with no hands here. Most people have a fingerprint. Most people have a face, you know, it's just like the, it's like you already have the best qualifier for security. Like we have systems that already have these secure ways of logging into your devices that you put a whole lot of trust into and you give out all your fucking data to all these private companies already and trust them to do whatever they want with that shit. And, you know, now we're, now we're advocating for everyone to vote, voter ID is racist. Well, guess what's just as racist? A fucking vaccine passport, guys. Like you can't not support this one thing because it's racist, but then advocate for this thing, which is also unbelievably racist. <laughs> Give me a break. I, I I guess that that's my argument for that, and I I I love the idea of that where it's like okay, we're we're making sure that everyone has access to this thing. Like it goes into what it goes into what you said about every candidate having access to the election process. Like they're not going to get screwed over by whatever interest is there, whatever media outlets covering them on that day, or asking them a question at a a very tightly run debate that is nonsense and circusy. So. I, th I think the national holiday thing is what a lot of people would definitely agree with. I think that's a very easily, I think that's an easy thing to put in at a government level. Like I, I, it's not, it's not so like government mandatey that it's going to kill all these businesses. Like, okay, we're going to mandate this one day. Like we already have national holidays that people get off for. Like, yeah, there's going to be people who are going to work on the national election day holiday, quote unquote, but it would add some air of importance to it. You know, it would add it would incentivize a lot more people to go out and vote. Cause I mean, a lot of people already don't vote because either they don't trust that their vote matters or it's like, I got so much other shit to do. I got to go to work today. I got to make my goddamn money to survive. Why should I go vote for this person who's going to, you know, raise my fucking taxes and steal the money that I'm trying to earn right now, basically. I think that would help a tremendous amount. And I, I think the, the voting process is already elongating with mail-in voting. Like if I, I've, the last three elections, I've voted by mail. I haven't gone to a polling, I haven't gone to an actual, yeah, in-person voting booth since six years ago. It's been a long time. Well, that, that was part of the problem with 2020. And I know, I know we said we weren't going to get into it, but a, a lot of the election security issues that are coming from the right, or I shouldn't say the right, the Trump wing of the Republican party have been the fingers being pointed to mail-in ballots and that. The laws were changed under emergency, quote unquote, emergency orders because of COVID and promoting social distancing and whatnot. But I get conflicting answers and reports from, from my own research that shows on one hand, this was the most secure election in, in history. Okay, cool. But 
On the other hand, there are questions to be asked about the process and why was Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Ohio and Nevada and Arizona able to change these laws last minute that constitutionally seem kind of not good? <laughs> and does that mean that it was done in a nefarious way or maliciously? No, I, I think it was done because people didn't know what the fuck to do about COVID. I think it's okay for us to have contingency plans. And I think, I, I, I mean, but you have reports of people finding mail-in votes that didn't count or mail-in votes that came in a surge later and the optics of it looked terrible. You had a, you had Pennsylvania where it was leaning heavily to towards Trump. And then all of a sudden, after the mail-in ballots were counted after the fact, uh, then there was a surge for Biden. And that was one of the point that the fingers had pointed. And that now that could be true. That could be then that is true. That's what happened. But optically, that looks terrible. And that goes into my point about let's not make the election one 24 hour period because that looks bad. That looked that looked terrible. It's all, all of a sudden just flips. Like, that's a problem. I personally, like, okay, I don't know. I can't know once I put that ballot in that mailbox if it's actually going to get anywhere or get counted. And you know what? That should raise giant red flags as to the infrastructure of our postal service. Where were all the questions like, hey, in, in, to also to fortify our election, let's add a bunch of funding to our United States Postal Service to make sure these ballots get where they need to be on this night that is the most important thing we've deemed of the year suddenly that we're not going to give you off for. Well, and well, okay, here's another thing, you know, that kind and goes into our running theme that the government doesn't do things that well, that uh, I was a big fan of the idea at the time that pawn this off and contract with FedEx and UPS. They're statistically more on time and less packages are lost. I don't know though. I keep, I keep trying to figure out what is the best way to message this to the American people? How do you get people excited about elections? How do you get people to trust the election? Is it a problem of the process? I asked this before, and I, I keep coming back. I'm spinning my wheels as we talk about these peripheral issues of, of how and why and when. And it comes down to, I think, people don't trust the people who are doing it. People don't trust people. It's kind of a cyclical, perpetual thing. It's like, okay, well, you vote in the people that are in charge, and then those people are in charge, and they're, and they're corrupt, and they're participating in insider training and they have book deal deals and they're making money off of speeches and for some goddamn reason nancy pelosi and mitch mcconnell everyone from every side has billions of dollars even though they get paid a dollars plus benefits as a as a congressperson you know maybe maybe there's stuff behind the elections not behind aside from the elections that needs to be taken care of prior to us actually solving the election problem because there's more at stake the sentiment has existed for a long time how about how about we ban insider trading how about we make sure that people don't you know what new jersey has a law and governor christie actually talked about it when after he was out of office new new jersey restricts their public officials especially their governor from writing any kind of book or making any money or whatever outside of the governorship. You're a public servant. So don't do things that make you look like a shifty person. You can raise money for charity. You can go to stuff and, you know, whatever. But don't don't go give speeches at some university for millions of dollars, thousands of dollars. And don't go get a book deal for millions of dollars while you're in that chair. You're using that pulpit as a way to garner more, you know, grandeur and support. We've seen that with countless people on the left and the right who are ardent supporters of either Biden or Trump who who take advantage of the coattails of Biden or Trump or Obama or Clinton or whoever. And I, that's not Clinton or Biden or Trump's fault. That's 
that the processes and the, the system's fault. So maybe if we were to close some of those areas of, of anger and distrust and corruption, then perhaps we'd have more willingness to participate in an election. And then I think the conversation can be had about how the process is working. If there's a way to make it easier and more secure, great. If it doesn't really matter, and statistically speaking, it doesn't need to be more secure. It's already as secure as possible. Who cares? If there's a couple thousand votes here and there that's going to happen, then, okay, let's save money and not do that and just make sure we don't have corrupt, corrupt assholes. But because of our system, because of our democracy, because of our freedoms, corruption is going to exist. And it's up to us to, to, to find that. And it's up to the, the free press and the media and social media to, to best display the truth about everyone on every side. As a journalist, I would hope that CNN, MSNBC, Fox could put away their partisan hackery and showcase that people on both sides of the aisle, from, from presidents down to city council members, have corrupt tendencies. There are once in a while they're good people, but for the most part, people become, they become powerful and they get a bunch of power and get fucking crazy. So how do we showcase that to the American people and say, hey, if you want secure elections, that's, let's start with step one. Because I'm, I'm, as I'm, I'm having this conversation with you, we can talk about voter IDs. We can talk about putting into place new technologies, which I'm all for talking about. We can talk about it at the same time too. We don't have to like wait, but I don't think we can implement that without fixing the the, the culturally devoid trust issue. And I, I'm not sure how to. F what's the what's the best path forward? Every month, Grant and I will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey. If you don't agree with our opinions on these issues, that's great. We want to hear from you and hear your side of the story. Our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing to the same division that exists in our hyperpartisan politics. We can and must do better in finding common ground. Discussions breed solutions. The Kogan Conversation is a podcast that welcomes respectful discourse, paired with a glass of whiskey, of course. If you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming episode or join us for a glass of whiskey, please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. Wouldn't it be nice to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing from the Cogan Conversation? Subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course following us on social media helps immensely. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any episodes or information. Cheers! How about we just get rid of political how about we change the physical ballot itself you just list the person's name and don't list their party that they're running with make it legitimately just about what they say so when you have people showing up the ballot box and they see names they've never seen before they're not just gonna write a name well they're probably just gonna pick the first name on the list because that's what a lot of fucking people do but further down the ballot i should say but yes get rid of that or how about only write-in votes you have to just conscript every person that's in there but I'm totally with you. Just make make politicians boring again. Make them make them like random a random lawyer, random like fucking craftsperson from your local place. Like, yeah, we put the local blacksmith in. I'm just dating myself, and this is nonsense right now. We put the local blacksmith in charge because we like him, and he makes good products, and we trust him. He would run this country, this 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 little town well. 
and this person's like, no, I don't want to do that. Well, the people voted for you, so you have to. So you're committing your public service now to live in this community. Go. Well, I mean, people can renounce if they get voted in. They can renounce that. They can they can be like, nah, <laughs> it is at will. You're not just like bound to servitude. You can do ranked choice voting like the Oscars too. Well, that's an, and that's another question we can get into as well as what is there a, is the way that we vote are best is ranked choice voting better because there's ranked choice voting exists in other countries and it's it, it often gives you more choice it gives people who are in the third and fourth and fifth parties better you know a chance at actually having a shot um it, it, it can be more representative of a populace because they're able to choose people who better represent their ideas i think that's worth looking at and i think it's okay for states and, and localities to to, to change on their own. I think a few states and localities actually do have ranked choice, but for the federal election, especially on the heels of 2020 being the the main problem, I, I, I think you're right about taking the party out of it. I think I, I'll go a step further. The DNC and the RNC, uh, or really any national committee for any party, their fundraising tactics and their donorship and their, you know, the how, how they go about basically kingmaking their nominees or their, their favorite three candidates to put up on the debate stage and their arbitrary uh, standards to get on the debate stage. And, you know, Ross Perot got on the debate stage with, was it Clinton and Bush and back in the 1990s and uh, the RNC talked to the DNC and behind closed doors and said, oh, shit, like that, that split the vote. And we didn't like that. It can happen to you, too. How about we agree to change the parameters of the, the, the primaries to you have to have you have to get 12 percent in polling to even have a shot at the debate stage? Well, what the fuck is that? How is that fair? Maybe, first of all, polling is so subjective and isn't a, a fully inclusive, holistic view of what voters are thinking. It might be better now because we have technology. You could vote on a poll online and on, on Facebook, and that's, you know, they can get an aggregate of all these different locations, but rather than just having people stand out in a town square asking questions. But still, why? Why, why not allow every candidate a shot on the on TV? At least the Republicans in, well, and even the Democrats, I guess, in the last primary, both of them made an effort to have two different debates. And they did kind of a structured where it's like, okay, the, the top 10 based on the polling, and then the top, t- and then the, the, the last 10, and then you have two separate debates. Is there a better way to do that? Well, I think the debate format by itself can be fixed. I think Ross Perot's of the world deserve to be on stage. So I think the Ross Bros, the Ron Pauls, the Bernie Sanders, the the outside, the Donald Trumps, the people who we think have no shot, I think that they deserve every right to get up there and, and hash it out in a more long form, not three minute snippet bullshit debate. And that's why I'm advocating semi facetiously to uh, anoint Joe Rogan as a moderator for every debate. Well, just, I mean, we could, we could talk about that kind of legacy media versus... Uh more new mainstream media in the form of podcasters like Joe Rogan because I mean just in terms of like consumption and viewership Joe Rogan blows every major news network out of the water and so you have people like Tulsi Gabbard, Andrew Yang, even Bernie Sanders going on Joe Rogan's show and just getting this gigantic platform and an ability to talk for an hour plus about their platform, what they would do if they got no office and basically, yeah, just have this extended way to talk. And it's like, okay, there you can really get convinced. Like I, I listened, <laughs> I was one of the people who listened to fucking Andrew Yang on, I was like, who is this dude? He's running for president. And I listened to him. I was like, oh shit, I'm totally an Andrew Yang fan now. Fuck Yeah. 
go go Andrew Yang and then you get to the actual CNN debate and he gets what one line in pretty much and then nothing more and he's out immediately after that because the DNC is like nope we're not having that and and yeah I mean if we're gonna get into the DNC specifically the super delegate shit in general like I don't even want to vote in democratic primaries anymore because it's all a sham like if my vote legitimately does not matter because we have these things called super delegates that are just completely decided by the actual committee like whatever I, well I, and I think I think there's something to be said too about the fact that you didn't know who Andrew Yang was and you watch or listen to Joe Rogan and talk a talk to him and, and Rogan is so good at just kind of being a guy talking about stuff who doesn't really care. Granted, the, the media paints him in a, in a darker picture, which I think is shameful, um, but he's just a guy asking questions. And it's it's pretty great that, you know, I know based on legislation and, and things that Bernie has spoken about at his speeches and what he has on the record and, and what he's voted for, I know that I, I largely disagree with general policy, but but you listen to him on Joe Rogan for three hours talking about all these things, you know, you can really get to know a person from that. It's hard for a politician, especially as ungroomed as Bernie Sanders is, to to act that entire time. You, you 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 can tell that Bernie believes in what he's saying. You can tell that he honestly wants to help the American people, and he thinks that there are better ways to do things, and that he's willing to sit down and have a conversation with someone who might not agree with everything, but is willing to ask questions and try to flesh things out. And I know Bernie is the first, and, and Tulsi included, Andrea included, with some of the first people to sit down with people across the aisle and just hash it out for three hours. You get these snippets of 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 Ted Cruz of 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 uh, Tom Cotton, of Bernie Sanders, of uh, of Kamala Harris, of uh, Amy Klobuchar. I'm, I'm trying to name people from both sides who get these little snippets of, of theatrical limelight in political committee hearings about some bullshit. And they, they sound like they're these rabid dogs who just want to destroy the other side. The other side is evil. And then you hear them in, in conversation on a non-threatening format like a podcast or a long form interview. And they're just human beings who think that they, you know, I, I think there's there, there can be some corruption and nefarious like uh, agenda setting and people like, you know, Ted Cruz probably wants to get his book deal and make sure that he's, you know, grifting towards his base and saying things that in the, ignites the votes for him. And that's and that's fine. That exists. That's part of politics. But the fact that I know Ted Cruz has had his moments where he can sit down and talk to people and actually not sound like a bad guy, that has to happen more for the trust to be to come back. And because the RNC and the DNC don't want to facilitate that, they want to continue to have the same boring, non-engaging format. That tells all. That just that just shows that all they're trying to do is is be kingmakers and and not solve the problem, not give us the best candidate. And and that's not that's not a swipe on Trump. It's not a swipe on Biden. I think I think they both are who they are, and it doesn't matter. But are they the, are they the best of the best? Have we ever had the best of the best? I mean, maybe Washington, Lincoln, Eisenhower, maybe. I mean, like I you know, really good people. Aside from unfortunate cultural societal racism that existed back in the day, that's put aside whatever that Washington had. But like uh, someone who is an honest humble leader who wanted to solve issues for every American, not just the people that he got votes from. Those are the people who I want in Washington. We just had a conversation with with five 
veterans of the Afghanistan war. And we talked about the fact that, you know, who would they want to be in office? They want the people who don't want to serve because the people who want to serve and who want to become powerful are the ones who are narcissistic, who are self-serving. And that's, I think that's a larger problem here is that, yeah, okay, we can talk about the election and, and how we can make our elections more full of integrity and making sure that we're doing this correctly. I, I think that's a, that's a conversation that can happen, that needs to happen. I think that people are the bigger problem. And I don't know how to solve that. I would say I would say go out and vote, but that kind of, it just made a circle. I I still I still vote, and I I still do. This last election, I had the least amount of confidence that my vote for president, at least, was going to do anything at all whatsoever. But I understood more that I was down the ballot. I was voting for people who might actually make a difference in my life. Did I like the fact that some of those people I maybe looked up? A week beforehand to find out what the fuck they were talking about yes <laughs> but uh because i'd never heard their names before but you know i don't know i still believe that i mean like democracy is a beautiful thing like that that's what we're fighting for and arguing for at the end of the day we're not we aren't those people who are gonna you know argue for some kind of like autocratic like monarchy dictatorship like that's what we're trying to go against and having a democracy is is a wonderful wonderful thing so there are places in the world that do not have true democracy whether you argue that we do or not it's another issue well constitutional republic but that's a good point i think the worst thing we could do is stop voting whatever our thoughts are on the electoral college whatever our thoughts are on superdelegates or the way that, that things work in the primaries or the general election I think it's important that you make your voice heard because if enough of us vote in a certain way, it becomes pretty apparent to the rest of the country that, you know, oh shit, and you talk about mandates that exist for, in 2016, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but Donald Trump won the Electoral College based on how our system works. And what that means is Trump won, but he didn't have a mandate of the voters. If he had a majority of voters and the Electoral College, it would be a resounding, the majority of the country is in favor of what Trump was saying, and that he didn't have that. So it does matter. It matters to to, uh, to electability. It matters to policy. It matters. To, and, and your voting even matters more probably so in the, in the Senate and the House, even your governorship and your state legislator and your state House of Representatives, because those people reflect the values and the, and the, and the, the things that you want. And the best part about our country, at least what should be the best part about our country, is that every single law and regulation and thing that exists is or should be beholden to the democratic process per the appointments clause and everything that exists in the constitution. Now, you and I both know that that doesn't always happen, but that's what the courts are for. And our system has checks and balances. And unfortunately, that process takes a long time because we, have, we want to make sure we get it right. As long as we vote for the right people and then let's say those right people turn out to be schmucks and put in bad legislation or bad rules or regulations, or they appoint bad people, we can then vote them out in four years or two years time, whatever the election is, and then change that and lobby them to get to make better choices. That's what our founding fathers wanted was for our system be, to be slow and arduous and, and, and difficult. If you have a fast process where you can just make change, 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 and just, you know, say yes, no, yes, no, you're not going to be doing anything substantial. You have to let things kind of just play out and settle down and let the dust settle before you make a change because there's been plenty of laws that have existed that have had reverberations that have been both good and bad. And maybe at the time the law was not popular 
and we voted against it in a referendum or we lobbied against it. But then it turns out 10 years later, it's like, oh, this was actually a good thing. And now we've learned from that and we can we can expand on that and go further and go forward. That that foresight and that slowing down and that that thinking, that stop and think mentality does not exist. And I think that's a big problem too, culturally. We're very short-sighted. We want instant gratification. We want things to change now. We want to, we want to elect, uh, just for example, in the most recent election, we want to elect Biden because we wanted student loans to be canceled. We wanted marijuana to be legalized. We wanted X, Y, Z. It's like, okay, well, even President Trump and President Obama and President Bush and everyone, they, they, they can't do that day one. President Biden is unfortunately tied behind with his hands behind his back when it comes to certain things because there are political games you have to play because the system is designed to slow things down. If a president could just come in day one after being elected and just change shit, we might have more issues. And that goes both ways. Because and especially because if you want that power to be given to, to let's say President Biden and let's say President Trump wins again in 2024 and everyone who is in favor of what Biden was doing, they're going to be pretty upset when Trump does it. And it's like, okay, well that power then should not be given to any of the presidents because it goes both ways. I guess the bigger, I guess the end to to wrap it all up. The bigger, the bigger issue is figuring out a way to make things more transparent, but also to educate and and invigorate people to do, you know, have better conversations, have better educated research, and 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 understand what they're doing and why their vote does matter, and make sure that we just hold people accountable with the process that exists, and then hopefully we can have a conversation about, you know, maybe contracting Apple to do what you're talking about because I think that is the path forward. I think that is the future, but that solves some other issues too. This podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded. We want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation, but we kindly ask that you show your support. Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. Thank you for joining us for this important topic. There are more perspectives, opinions, and understandings to be listened to, and we hope to revisit this soon. Our entire goal is to learn more about these topics and interact with those who live and breathe them to help flesh out a more cohesive discussion. But for now, this concludes our discussion on election integrity. Next up is a Kogan Conversation holiday special. Alan and I will be discussing religion. Be sure to tune in to part one on December 13th and part two on December 27th. In the meantime, we would really appreciate any feedback or thoughts you have for the show. Happy holidays! This thing we began is much more than a pastime. I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers.